You ready? I'm ready. Okay, hello. Hello. Welcome to Just Another Murder Cast. Yay Jam. Yay Jam. Okay, so today today No, 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 no. no. I even put it in bold. Oh. Oh, I'm Haley and I'm Beth. <laughs> yep. You're right. I wasn't even reading. Okay. I put it in bold on purpose. I'm going to have to make it bigger than the rest of it. <laughs> Maybe then I'll read it. Probably not. Probably not. Um, okay, so today's recording is actually a live recording. Hey. Hi. Hi, TikTok. Hi. Um, so we can't read comment. Well, Beth has the comments. She can actually read them. We're going to try not to read the comments right now, just so like that's more editing for us later. But yeah. if we get more sidetracked. Uh, you might hear a lot of comments. It is what it is. It's okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I do have, I don't know if there's going to be moderators on there, but they should be. Okay. Um, To where they can handle control. I don't know. I don't know. But okay. if you are on TikTok, I'm doing it on my personal TikTok. But if we could go to just another murder cast TikTok yes. so we can get enough followers to go live on there. Yes. Because then Haley doesn't have to use her personal one. And yeah. I just like the live. I, I just like ours anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any comments for this week before we get started? Um. Let's see. So my comments are the the case that I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? I know you remember because I was crazy that day that I had the new medication and it made me psycho. Right. Um. I went back and I was like, I really want to do that case. It was a really good one. Yeah. I went back and I was like, okay, I'm just going to start where I left off because I had done a lot of it, right? right? I just couldn't finish it. Um, it was so bad, like put together so bad. It made no sense. You were like, where's my head? Where yeah, was I was my like, head? What, what is this? Yes. So I had to completely delete it and then start over. And then in my brain, I was like, I can just remember it because you know how much research I do. Yes. I was like, I'll just remember it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't. I don't. I can't. I can't remember all of this. So you restarted. I had to restart again, and so it is still all over the place. But it was too Sorry. good not to do. Um, I feel your pain. Yeah. So I did all this research. I did best style research. Yeah. Typed up this paper. I was so excited. I've been working on it for like a couple of days, like like a couple pages at a time. I ended up at like fourteen pages, I believe, and yeah. I even made the font smaller. Well. I sent it to Beth yesterday and she says, um, I sent it to her to print off cause my printer was acting crazy. And I'm like, mm. or she t- she writes me. She's like, I thought you said this one was long. I'm like, cause I told her, I'm like, bro, this one's gonna be so long. We have to do like a one episode thing again. Yeah. And she's like, I thought you said it was long. I'm like, I made the font smaller. And she was like, it's two pages. I'm like, two pages. What the I hell like, are you talking about? You made your font smaller and all of a sudden it's only two pages. Like, that's <laughs> ridiculous, Haley. How big do you print these things? <laughs> so I go back and I'm like, okay, just let me send it to her again. I'm also in the same point starting to work on the mini episode for today. Mm-hmm. I go back. Can't find it. Can't find it anywhere. Pull it up from my folder. Only two pages. And I lost my ever loving mind. Yeah lost it i mean she, lost it you called me like how do i find it and i'm like i don't even know what you're on how am i supposed to know how to find it <laughs> how do i find it fix like, it best fix even felt bad for me where he's like can i can i help you i was like no no <laughs> so i retyped the whole thing and so i might be missing some information mine might sound all over the place but i was just trying to go off notes that i had made and yes. memory so yes. there okay. w- there's that yeah. also i want to talk about real quick what we had talked about last week uh, and I'm thinking if we share like our goals with everybody like it'll be fun to meet those milestones with everybody yeah okay 
So, like, we have goals for the podcast. A, we want to take a, a trip for for the podcast. We're going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship. So, um, one of our goals is to take a trip for the podcast. Yes. We want to start with New Orleans, I think. Yeah, because that's where we were last week. Yes. Um, we also, are, one of our goals is to have our own. Right now, we're in Beth's house in a spare bedroom. Yeah, in the office. Mm-hmm. One of our goals is um, to have our own, like, office area. Like yeah. a she shed. A sea sh- shell. A sea shell. By the sea shell. <laughs> um, a she set, shed. Or like. An office. An office. Um, a small, you know. Yeah, we don't. We just don't. because we want it to be more like work that we enjoy. Yes. Because it hasn't been like work because we enjoy it so much. Yeah. But like, you know, like we owe it to our Patreon patrons and everybody else to do this correctly. Yeah. I mean, so, if we're going to do it, might as well do it right. Yes. And not just roll out of bed oh, and um, roll out of bed mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden be like, hey, yeah, here I am. Yeah. I think last week we posted a picture of me with no bra on. <laughs> Yay me. <laughs> so. We usually look a hot ass mess. So yeah. we were like, we're going to get ready. <laughs> that's yeah. our first step we're gonna get ready treat it like you're going into work yeah so that's part of our goal for is to have an office treat it like you're going into work Makeup. and it's easier to go into work than it is to work at home yes it is especially with my kids running around well i don't have any of those but my dogs mm-hmm. that we hear snoring and husbands yeah and husbands yeah. so um what were our other goals i know i wrote them down somewhere they should still be over there yeah unless i took it with us no I unless i took I it with me it. Um, so we're going to make a goals board. I just said our she shed. Oh, we're going to get computers. Oh yeah. So yeah. that's one of our goals too, is to get, um, I'm using Beth's old laptop right here because, um, her printer stopped working. So I'm missing a page, but also like our computer at home is upstairs. Yeah. So like if I'm doing research or something, I can't sit in the office for six hours or whatever because yeah. I have children and I can't just leave them alone. And I have I w- small children. I would like to be able to do work. So this computer is great and mm-hmm. I love it. But I would love to be able to have a computer to take with me, like, to work. I, I'm i a paramedic. I don't just, like, I'm not going to research while I'm supposed to be. Saving know, lives. Do, yeah. Um, but, like, I would like a computer that I can research. Because you're on for 24 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm there the entire day. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get it on the computer that I have there. Like, I don't think I should be typing in murders in Georgia. Yeah. To try and research there. So I would like a computer. And then to type it and keep it all in one place. Like. That's yes. what I want. Yes. I completely agree. I don't have a laptop, so I'm just using a desktop. Spence has an old laptop, but you have to keep it plugged in for yeah. it to stay on. And like, let's be real. Like my kids run across my phone cord and if I, if it cut off and lost all my work, I would Woo. cry. So, and I love this one. Mm-hmm. It's been a great book. I got it when I was in EMT school, so it's old. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was a Chromebook and it's been great, but it's not good for this. Yeah, like Spence's too. We got before Finn was born. Yeah. So like that thing's like eight years old. And yeah. it was like the cheapest version, which is fine. Like it's been great. But like I cannot keep it plugged in. If yeah. I, you know, I might as well work at a desktop. Yeah. So that's one of our goals too, is to have these computers so we can actually do work. And like, you know, I'll do research, go upstairs for 20 minutes and and type what I've written. Go back downstairs, be with the kids. You know, like yeah. I just get it all done while I'm sitting there yeah. around the children. Yes. So yeah, those are some of our goals and we're going to reach them. Yeah, we are. One day. One day. Eventually. I mean, honestly, this podcast has come further than I ever thought that it would come. We're almost on our one year. I know. Oh, my God. 
And I was like, we will have a what episode podcast. No. That will be it. And I think I enjoy it more now that we're getting back into it and taking it more seriously. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely do. So okay. that's it. That's all I got. But I love I love it. Yeah. I love where we're at. I think I think we're in a good place. I don't mm-hmm. think that we could. I, we're not prepared to be any further than this. Yeah. But we're going to work towards it. Yeah. So, okay. Yep. So now we need to have a warning. Warning, especially for the video over yeah. here. There's going to be some colorful language. A little spicy. A little bit. A little spicy. A little spicy language. Um, We are trying to do better about that as well. We are. But like sometimes I just can't control my emotions. It comes out. I mean, we're talking about murder. So uh, sometimes yep. a good F-bomb or something, mm-hmm. they need it. It just drops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have little ears, um, it's also about murder. Somebody yeah. might die. Yeah. Die. I'm not sure so. if you. Unalive know the name of the podcast but it's just another murder cast. yeah so like little ears maybe not if you want them to listen to it hey that's on you boo boo you do you boo boo yeah i mean you do you parker parker's she listens she knows she's oh god cleaning her murders yes um so for our tiktok listeners and if you're new here um you can new listening mm-hmm. um you can go to our facebook page the the episodes are going to be posted there. You yes. can go to justanothermurdercast.com, look at stuff there. You can find these podcasts anywhere you get your podcast. iTunes, yes. Spotify, Podbean, anything like that. Yes. Um, And look up Just Another Murdercast, and you can start listening from episode one all the way up till now, and we continue them weekly. We're trying. We're trying. We're um, doing a good job so far. If you go to our Patreon, you can sign up to be a patron, and you can get the bonus episodes and all the content that comes and with it. And this t-shirt. If yep. you're on live, you can see it right now. Yep. I got this t-shirt. I wore mine yesterday. Time. Did you? Yep. yep. Um. So you can do that and um get all the merch and the bonus episodes that comes along with it. Yeah. So towards the end, we will read... More of the Patreon information. Um, until then, you know, let's get it. Let's yeah. get it going. Yeah, you know. Okay, are you ready? Rock paper scissors. Rock paper scissors. Ready? Rock paper scissors <laughs> shoot. Rock paper scissors shoot. Damn it! Always win. Always. I'm. Oh. Okay. One day I'm gonna win. So, I think she just knows. I even tried to switch it up because I think usually I would have done scissor. I don't know. Maybe I thought it, I don't know. But yeah, I think you overthink it, and I just win. Yeah. All I do is win, win, mm-hmm. win, no matter what. Yep. <laughs> um, okay, so are you ready? I'm ready. This is a long episode. Um, I should have taken a pee-pee break, but it's fine. You ready? Okay, yeah, let's go. Ooh, it's a long one. Okay. All right. July 1982. Yes. Seattle, Washington. This is mine. Oh, I was like, what? (laughs) All right. Two teenage boys discovered the body of Wendy Caulfield. Wendy was a 16-year-old foster child who was known recently for selling her body for prostitution. At 16? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. She was floating in the Green River near the home um, where the boys lived in Kent, Washington. Yeah. Within the next few weeks, another body was found in the same river. During this time... The Green or the Kings King County Police Force created the Green River Task Force with Detective Dan Reichart named the head of the force. Okay. The force consisted of 25 detectives from King County as well as other surrounding counties. Two bodies were found in the same month. Two more bodies. In the same month, the same river, both women. 
Um, this was, I'm sorry, this was before two more found. Anyway, so two bodies in the same river, both women in the, you know, same time. Yeah. This was a lot for this area, so it kind of caused a panic. You know, this is why they started the force until August 15th when the department got a call for two more bodies found in the river. When Detective Reichart got to the scene, he noticed the first body, a young woman, three feet in the water, naked. As he made his way down to her, he found a third body. It said that the tension and shock after this news, um, like, was felt everywhere, like, around the scene imagine. and everything. Like, it's just kind of, like, frozen in time. He says he'll never, he'll never forget that moment. Yeah. Um, and... They knew then that this was a serial killer and they needed to be prepared for a serious investigation. Yeah. Now, Detective Dave said that during this time in the world, the job of a policeman was to shield people away from danger, not only physically, which, you know, of course, but mentally. So his wife would like ask him, like, how was your day? But he always would just say, like, it's good. Um, And leave it at that. They would just go about their day. You can't you can't tell people about what you see because they'll have. It'll be bad. Right. Um, Things were typically like just hidden more than, you know, swept under the rug. Let's just pretend like it's not happening. But news about this spread really quickly in the neighborhood. News stations all over um, had this the next morning. They were all over it. The serial killer was then dubbed the most dangerous serial killer in the world. Now, another key member of the force, her name was Faye Brooks. She had been with the King County Sheriff's Office for about four years working in sex crimes. Being a survivor of sexual abuse herself, this gave her more drive to find this killer and protect women from going through the same thing she did or losing their lives like the other victims. Yeah. When the autopsies were done, sperm was actually found in two of the women, and it was assumed to be from the killer. This was the first tangible evidence that the department had. However... Science wasn't as innovative as it is now, so they can't really test them, you know. Yeah. They can't test it then, but they held on to it. Um, I think this is what also turned Faye into a valuable piece of the crime stop- stopping community. You know what I mean? Committee? Yeah. Because, like, she knows her way around sex crimes. Yeah. The next step was to try and ID the women. Using fingerprints, dental records, and missing persons report, they discovered that all of these women were actually prostitutes. Okay, wait a minute. Okay. So I saw that someone in the pot or in the in the chat asked what the name of this podcast was. Mm-hmm. What the name was. So just want to say it's just another just murder another cast. murder cast. You can find it anywhere that you get your podcast. Yeah, just another murder cast. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the victims was Marsha Chapman, a 31 year old mother of three, who began to sell herself to support her kids and pay the bills. When Faye heard about her name, she remembered that she knew Marsha. She had worked a previous case where Marsha was assaulted on the streets, and she knew which streets. So this was called the Strip, um, which is where the investigation began. Um, It's a strip of highway between Seattle and Tacoma along the Pacific Highway. It was a focal point for prostitution with strip clubs and those sketchy motels, you know? Like, I'm thinking, like, what you see in a movie or, like, on a TV show, what you, you know, just imagine. Faye was assigned to question the girls in the area and try to get as many clues on the suspect that she, that anybody might have seen. Um, hoping somebody may have recognized a sketchy man, you know, yeah. put two and two together. Not to mention it's good to send Faye because they're going to trust her more. They know her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was smart. Very smart. The case began to grow substantially. They had lots of calls about suspicion as 
fear in the area was at an all-time high. But because everyone wanted to know something, not all of the calls were, like, real. Like, I don't know what I'm looking yeah. for. Like, substantial. Yeah. Is that... I don't know what word I'm looking You know what I mean. One day, Dave gets a call from a man named Melvin Foster. Melvin started telling him about a, about a guy that he knew that seemed kind of suspicious. And he said, there's this guy, Dan Smith. I think he's a pretty good suspect. He knows the victims. He knows a lot about prostitutes. And he's been known to be a pretty violent guy. The police bring Dan in for questioning. But after a few hours, they were like, no, this is not, you know, this doesn't make sense. This yeah. is not a good fit. But we'll keep him on the back burner because we don't know much about it. But let's just keep him on the back burner for yeah. now. Then Dave remembers something that the FBI told him. Serial killers tend to insert themselves into investigations. They'll try yeah. to press for more information. They'll give you clues like, I heard this, I heard that. And they also might try to blame someone else. Yep. So Dave decided, mm, I'm going to question this Melvin character. Melvin Foster was a cab driver in his mid-40s that lived about an hour and a half from Seattle. Okay. In Olympia. But he would drive his taxi in the Strip area. Which was weird. An hour and a half away? Yes. But like, because he can make that same money in Olympia. Yeah. That's I mean, it's strange. Weird. But he had also been to jail before for auto theft. So okay. they're like, oh, he's got a record. Mm, let's see. They asked Melvin in and showed him pictures of the women. And he denied knowing them or anything about them. Of course, you know, he had no idea. But at the end of the interview, investigators had a little something up their sleeve. They told Melvin, listen. We noticed that you have some warrants out for your arrest, so you're going to sit in jail while okay. we're working on this. So they arrested and ho arrested him, hoping he would stew in the stress and the fear. Yeah. It seemed to work a little bit because the next morning, they brought Foster back in and asked him again about the women, in which he replied, wait, I remember those women. I had driven them in my taxi before, but that was it. Oh, I totally, all of a sudden, <laughs> now, maybe, no, maybe, some, maybe, maybe I've seen them in my taxi, but that's it. Yeah. Um. So they then polygraphed Melvin asking, do you know the Green River Killer? He answered no. Then do you have anything to do with these Green River murders in which he answered no? After that, the polygraph said that Melvin had failed. Well, no shit. The polygraphs aren't a hundred, always 100% accurate, so they can't just hold him for this. No, but can they still hold him because he had warrants? Come I think on. it was just like a traffic violation thing. <sighs> you know what I mean? Um, but this gives them enough, enough for the investigation where Reichardt's like, I'm going to put him under 24-hour surveillance. Yeah. Hoping he would slip up and do something and, you know, give them some sort of clue. Next thing you know... Melvin is all over the news. Of course, they can't keep anything hidden. The media yeah. is all over it, of course. Um, in fact, um, they even, like, told Melvin that he was under surveillance. The media did. Yes. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. By hey, the way, just we're watching you. Just FYI, everybody's watching you. You're They're under, watching like, 24-hour surveillance. Don't do anything so bad. So if you were going to do anything, now's not the time. No. They're watching you. No. They even interviewed Melvin Foster. The reporter said, are you scared about this? And he replied, scared? No. Fear is for the guilty. Right? Fucking media. Over him. Mm -hmm. Foster loved this attention, though. He would even call the media himself. Oh, God. Right over him. And he was like a scary-looking fella, too. Not scary-looking. Like, I mean, kind of semi-attractive for that time. Um, but, like, looked serious as all get out. Yeah. 
Um, so according to the FBI, this is normal for cases too. Um, he like they want attention. Yeah. But even with all of this, the task uh, for investigators said we have a list. Each each investigator has a list of like twenty suspects per person. So the command staff said they're spending too much time and money, almost two million at this point, mm-hmm. just doing surveillance. Um, so that leaves Dan with the only option of halting the surveillance. Uh. So again, he was placed on the back burner, but they're like, kind of keep an eye. Yeah. Hoping maybe he'll slip up. Maybe he'll mess something up. Yeah. You know, but we can't keep him under surveillance. They're yeah. taking away the funds for that. They continued to follow every lead they could. They even questioned a man, Gary, after a guy reported seeing his girlfriend, Marie Malvere, get into his pickup off of the strip and hadn't heard from her since. They searched his house. Um, they searched him but found nothing. Um, they even polygraphed him and he passed. Okay. So we're in September. About a year had gone by since the discovery of the first bodies when an elderly man picking apples found bones in his orchard. In his orchard? Yeah. Like his own? Yeah. Oh. Picking apples. Then police discovered that it was actually the, the skeletal remains of three different bodies in about a 20 square foot area. One of those bodies belonged to Janelle Lavorne, a 19-year-old woman also known for being a prostitute in the area. So now over the last year and a half-ish, the body count was at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, year, year-ish. Um, but before we jump to 1984, so we're in 83. Before we jump to 1984, I want to read a list of the bodies that we know of at this point. Okay. Um, and that I could find names for. If I miss any of them, I really apologize. I'm just trying to, like, I feel like these victims also deserve... You know, yeah, to be known, to be heard, their yeah. names should be heard. Um, when so we have Lindy, Wendy Lee Caulfield, sixteen, July eighth, nineteen eighty two, last seen in Tacoma. Her body was found in the Green River on July fifteenth, which we knew of. Giselle Lavorn, seventeen, um, she was last seen near the Seattle Tacoma Airport. She was found September twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three, eighty two. Um, Deborah Lynn Bonner, 23, last seen July 25th, 82, near the airport. She was found August 12th in the Green River. Marsha Faye Chapman, last seen August 1st of 82. She was found August 15th of 82. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Jean Hines, she um, was also found on the 15th in the Green River. Opal Charmaine Mills, 16, um, she was found August 15th of 82. Mary Bridget Meehan, 18. Um, she was found November 13th of 83. Some of these dates are out of order, but I was just typing what I could remember. Shonda Lee Summers, 17. Um, she was found August 11th of 83 near the airport. Gail Lynn Matthews, 24. She was found September 18th, 18th of 1983 near Star Lake. Kimmy K. Pitzer, 16. Um, They found a skull on December 15th, 1983. Um, We'll get to her later, too. Okay. Um, Carol Christensen, 21. She was found on May 8th of 1983 in Maple Valley. Yvonne Shelley Antosh, 19. She was found October 15th of 1983. Constance Elizabeth Neon, 21 was found October 27th of 
and Kelly Marie Ware, 22. She was found October 29th of 1983. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we're in 1984. Okay. The King County Sheriff's Office knew at this point they were over their heads. They decided to expand the task force, adding an, adi- a, an additional 25 people, 10 detectives, and 15 police officers. You know, usually our podcasts are, like, more funny, but, like, this point, th- I mean, like, this is, like... There's nothing funny about No, this. no, like, it's hard to, like, uh, yeah, okay. So, Detective Tom Jensen, let's bring him in. Enter Detective Tom. Tom was actually hired at the same time as Rikar in 1973, but then he went to the military, and when he came back, he joined the Burglary Crime Division. He was described as talented, methodical, and thorough, and he was brought on to help Dave. Hearing the two detectives talk about each other was actually the sweetest thing ever. Like, good friends. Like, just, like, had nothing but nice, good things to say about each other. Yeah. In the midst of all this, another body was discovered that I want to mention. And like I said before, y'all are going to hear me say this over and over. I just want to include as as many victims as I can out of respect for their families and the victims. So, this is Delise Louise Plager, Plager. 22. She was last seen October 30th, 1983 at a bus stop in Seattle, um, she was found Valentine's Day, February 14th of 1984, near the interstate, Interstate 90. So at this point, there are a lot of suspects, but none matched enough to truly spark an investigation. Yeah. Tom was then asked to look into Melvin, and his approach was tip, wasn't the typical of the normal investigation suspects. He decided, I'm going to try to prove that Melvin Foster is innocent instead of guilty. Let me work backwards here. Yeah. He went through every case and tried to find if Foster was even possible of committing that crime. Like, timing. Was he available to be at that location? Um, He then realized he could remove a lot of victims that were killed or discovered or went missing during the time that he was under surveillance. And, I mean, it eliminated a lot of them. So, although it seems like a good thing, it actually puts him, like, back at square one. Yeah. So it's like disappointing. It's like a bittersweet kind of thing. But of course, the media is nonstop with them. And then ding, ding, another body's discovered. Lisa Yates, 26. She was found March 13th of 1984 off of Interstate 90 as well. But Tom, this is, uh, during this time, Tom's in-house doing all of his research when these bodies are found. So he's not there. Yeah. So March 21st of 1984, Tom was called out to a baseball field where the manager said his dog returned to him with a bone in his mouth that seemed to be a human bone. This was actually the first time Tom was on scene for the for the remains part. Um, when police went to look around the location that the manager said his dog came from in like this wooded area, they mm-hmm. discovered skeletal remains in a fetal position that had been there for some time. Forensics said based on the bones, this woman seemed to be between 12 and 18 years old. Unfortunately, they could not identify the bones label. And so they labeled this one Bones 10. When Tom was talking about this scene, he was crying. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pitiful. They bring him back to the baseball field so he can show like the documentary about it. And like he said, this was my first homicide scene. And, you know, like it it was tough and it's really sad. The next day, Sunday, the 22nd, another body was found. Dental records said this belonged to Cheryl Wims, age 18, also known as a prostitute in the area. There was another body discovered that day, too. Tracy Ann Winston, 19, um, in, in the same area. And another on Sunday. 
but they couldn't find the name on that one. Then on Monday, another. This began a slew of bodies that were found in the remainder of 1984, causing more fear in the area and alarm for the force. So we're in 1984, right? Yeah. These are the bodies that were discovered in 1984. Mary Sue Bellow, October 12th, 1984. Debbie May Abernathy, March 31st, 84. Tina Marie Thompson, April 20th, 84. Martina Teresa Authorly, November 14th, 84. Alma Ann Smith, April 2nd, 84. I feel like I'm reading these like they're graduating. You yeah, know what I mean? Are. <laughs> That's not funny, but like it's a, I'm just, I don't know how to put it. Okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Here's your diploma. Okay. Dolor- <laughs> Dolores Laverne Williams, March 31st, 1984. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I can't. My hands. Colleen Renee Brockman, 15 years old, hmm. found May 26th, 1984. Sandra K. Gabbert. 17, April 1st, 1984. And that's all I have for 1984, okay? Okay. News reports are saying that the GRK, Green River Killer, has claimed more than 20 lives in 21 months, which, like, according to my list, like, we way past there. But, you know, the typical news scare you things. You yeah. know, like, just the media just okay. goes, I mean, which which I get it in this case. Like, it's terrifying. Right. It's in, it's in one area. But, like, I'm just, I'm a, I kind of get, I'm just over the media. Um, the pressure towards the force was actually just like unimaginable. At one point, there was a huge protest from prostitutes and women's rights groups saying that police and the force, they were not doing enough because these women were prostitutes. Yeah. Faye said this took a huge toll on the members because they knew that the Green River Killer was steps ahead of them. So they were just trying to catch up. They're trying to, they're trying yeah. to beat him at his own game, but he's just too far ahead. Yeah. Um, Reichardt teared up as he was saying this, as he was talking about this situation, because he said, we did not put labels on these women. Um, they were daughters, they were mothers, and most importantly, they were human beings. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think this was a media thing too, because the media is going to jump on it. Do you remember the girl that jumped from a bridge? Um, she was the stripper that jumped from a bridge in Pennsylvania and and the media labels her prostitute jumps from bridge. Well, the media is going to be like, well, these prostitutes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, These women, of course, they had the same thing in common, but the media likes to portray things in a certain way and the police and public safety get the flack for it. Yes. And that's not fair. And it's just gotten worse since the 80s. Yeah. Um, So much worse. Anyway, the force decided to do a PSA in late 84 and they called it Someone Knows Something where anybody could call in and give any information they knew about anything related to the Green River Killer or the victims, but publicly. So I'm guessing it was like one of those telethons we used to see when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, like where you call we in and donate. We have all the phones <laughs> yes. back there. Yes. Um, they were also offering $100,000, and that was 1984, which comes out to $268,000, 268336 for information that led to the killer. They were just holding on to anything at this point. So, of course, the phones went bananas. Mm-hmm. And this was, so this was December. The death count now was at 42. Oh, God. And there were 14 missing. That's when a young woman, Rebecca Quay, walks into the department. She wanted to report an assault from two years ago. 
She explained that a man had picked her up. Um, of course, she asked for his ID because, you know, they want to make sure he's not a cop. He picked her up off the strip. Okay, so asking for his ID makes him not a cop? I guess. I don't know. They don't, like, cops don't have IDs? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. She just want to make sure. I don't know. All right, cool. Whatever. Now we know. Now we know. Cops don't have IDs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, they agreed to a $20 date. And he drove her to a secluded part of the woods. She said he didn't want to do anything into the car, so he made her get out. She began the oral thing. I'm when just saying, twenty dollars is not, not enough. enough. No, ma'am, not no, enough. No, you, no, no. Twenty dollars is not enough. I need to know the inflation rate on that one because, like, what was twenty dollars in 1984? I need to know now. Like, what Let's is it up. worth? It cannot work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, twenty dollars is not enough for me to come at some man. I don't know. Uh uh-uh, uh uh. I don't want to end up with a bump on my lip. Mm-mm, not for twenty dollars. No, not, not it. Not about that life. No. Nope. Nope. All right. Here we go. Inflation. Is it caught inflation? So 1984. Yeah, 1984. $20. One to dollar. $53.67. Still not enough. Still, no. 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 That's not going to cover my copay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he didn't want to do anything in the car. He made her get out. She began the oral thing. Then all of a sudden, he started getting violent. He put her in a chokehold. And they started wrestling. He tried to smear her face into the ground, but he got caught up because his ankles were, his pants were around his ankles. I, excuse me, sir. I was pleasuring you, and now you're <laughs> trying to beat me? Yeah. Yeah, nasty. Um, somehow, she got up, and she got away. She grabbed her purse and ran to the closest mobile home. First of all, I'm, like, leaving the purse. Right? Yeah. Um, she ran to the closest mobile home. She saw they were near a trailer park. <laughs> the <laughs> folks in the mobile home calmed her down. And took her home. Okay. Honey, calm down. It's fine. You're overreacting. Let's just get you home. Right? Like, uh, he paid He paid that $20. Yeah. Did you get your money, though? Code you. Did you get your money, <laughs> Did though? you get your money? Uh-huh. I'm going to uh, need it up like, front. First of all, do you get it up front? Do you get it at the end? Like, how does this work? I don't know. I've never done $20 it. Twenty dollars is still not enough. <laughs> yeah. The point is. Point is, um, $20 ain't getting none from me. Yeah. But I guess. She did not want to report it because, I mean, I, know, I don't because, guess. Because, you know. She didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, I mean. Until she realized about all the air, the, the, the TV songs and everything going on. She's like, uh, wait. This wait, might maybe, have something. Yeah. Maybe I can help out now. So investigators asked her if she knew anything about the man or if she caught his name. She said, no, I didn't catch his name from his ID, but I did see his workplace. Kenworth Trucking. The force then went through the files, remembering that they saw a suspect somewhere in those files that had that place of employment. They quickly gathered a photo lineup and asked Rebecca if she recognized any of the men in the photos. Sure enough, she did. Who is it? Do you know who she pointed out? It's not Melvin, is it? Mm -mm. Who is it? The man was 35-year-old father, Gary Leon Ridgway. They realized he's the one questioned about Marie Malvar, mm-hmm. whose boyfriend saw her getting into his truck. Yeah. He had also been arrested in 1980 for patronizing prostitutes and gone to jail for it. And they were like, what? Excuse me, sir. Mm-hmm. Gary is brought in and interviewed in which he admitted to picking the woman up. But of course, he didn't hurt women when he did. He also admitted to choking one of them, but he had a good excuse. Uh, she liked it? Mm, she bit my dick. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I didn't kill her. But I didn't I kill cho- her. I choked her a little bit. Put her in a chokehold. She bit me in the penis. And my bad. My bad. My bad. I mm-hmm. feel like same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do I blame you? Mm, I don't know what it's like to have a penis bitten because, like, I don't have one. But you bite. I swing. Okay. But were you being a dick and that's why your dick got bit? I mean, probably. You because start. I you feel start like at that point you deserve getting it. violent with me. I'm ripping it off. Like, arrgh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So again, they had no DNA or anything. Okay. No tangible evidence. Yeah. He passed a polygraph. Mm. And technically, like they can't keep him. Rules. Uh, rules. <laughs> laws. All right. So they just watched him and waited. Eventually, they got word from another department in Seattle saying, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me. Okay. So he had been pulled over for a traffic violation with a woman, prostitute, in the car with them. And that prostitute was now missing. Well, yeah, well, yeah. So this was enough. They had it. This was enough. Enough for a warrant. Excuse me, sir. I believe you may be murdering. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, what are you doing in your spare time? Um, All right. So... Dave was in charge of the unit that went to his home, hoping they would find blood, jewelry, clothing, anything to prove he had something to do with these murders. Well, I don't they think he re- kills him at his house. Right. But, like, maybe he keeps a prize. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, they ripped that house apart, finding nothing. No. Another part of the forest went to search his person. Got nothing. But they did collect saliva. Saliva? Saliva. Saliva. Hoping. They collected some saliva. Saliva. Slava, you know that good old slava. <laughs> That's mean, what they got. <laughs> they hoped that they could get a match um, of some sort, like blood, blood or anything like yeah. that. But the lab, uh, when they got results, they said we couldn't get his blood type from it. This was a huge blow. Again. You know what they can get their blood type from? What blood? Yeah, but they didn't get blood. Well, it's I don't right think here. they had like a warrant for blood. I guess just it's like right here. I don't know what well, they should have. Um, but they decided we're gonna keep that spit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We gonna mm-hmm. keep it. Yep. Of course, more bodies were discovered, which I'll get to in a second, but things were dwindling down a little bit. Like, hope was being lost, and there weren't as many bodies being discovered. It was like kind of, it just was a slower, but bodies were still being discovered. Yeah. Um, the department had spent about $15 million at this point, and they didn't have any answers, so the sheriff called off the task force. <gasps> okay. Keeping Tom as the only man on the case. He had to handle everything that was coming his way. Poor Tom. Poor Tom. Poor Dave. Right? Yeah. But Tom said, like, I'm not going to give up. I'm not. Dave was devastated. Devastated. Yeah. They was devastated. Yeah. Um, But here's some of the bodies. Shirley Cheryl, 18. Um, she was found June 14th, 1985. Um, Andrea Childers. October, she was 19, October 11th, 1989. Carrie Rose, Rose, mm, March 10th, 1985, she was 15. Mary West, 16, September 8th, 1985. Jane Doe B, so Bones 16, December 31st, 1985. Bones 17, December 31st, 1985. Kim. Remember Kim? They found her skull. Mm-hmm. They found the rest of her remains in January of 1986. Oh. Andrea Childers, October 11th, 1989, near the airport. Tracy Winston, 
March 27th, 1986, Green River. Maureen Feeney. Um, I shouldn't say it like that. Feeney. Feeney. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> not funny. May 2nd, 1986, off of Interstate 90. Kimberly Nelson, for June 14th, 1986, off of Interstate 90. Cindy Smith, June 27th, near Green River Community College. Patricia Barzak, 19, um, off, uh, she was found by surveyor crews on the road um, on Highway 18. Roberta Hayes, September 12th, 1991, along 410 in Enumclaw. I don't know. That's a place I see a lot on here. Okay. Marta Reeves, um, September of 1990. Bones, 20 who actually decide, died in 76, but was found August 31st of 1993. And that's all I have so far, right? Okay. So Jesus Christ Almighty. Right? Right, right, right. Right. So the case goes cold for years. Finding these bodies, that's why I left in all those days, 93, you know. Yeah. Except for the bodies, like, they, you know, they're being found. Until 1997. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to the new sheriff. Of King County. Okay. Dave Reichardt. Hey. Hey. Go Dave. I'm so like my when they said that I was like, yay, Dave. <laughs> Detective Dave. I would have voted for you if I was I would have voted for you. <laughs> so um Faye and Tom are still there right by his side. Good. I know, I know. It's so heartwarming. Okay. One of his first projects after everything settled down was to get these men back together. Right. Mm-hmm. He Actually said, do something again. He got them together and he said, we have to do this. Tom told Dave, now Dave, science has evolved a lot. New DNA testing is supposed to be coming out. And I think it's time for us, us to bust open that freezer. Remember that sperm and that spit? Mm-hmm. 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 Of course, they had to wait for the labs to be ready. Uh, but when they were ready, they gave him a call. And finally, in 1999, the DNA was sent off. But it wasn't until 2000 and t- 2001 that they got some answers. That long. Mm-hmm. All right. Faye Brooks, now the chief of the criminal, inve- the criminal investigations division, gets a call from Tom saying, hey, I need to have a meeting with you and Sheriff Dave today. And they're like, okay. So they met up and sat down for their meeting. What I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Reichardt walks into the room and starts with Tom. What's going on? Tom just kind of sat there speechless for a while. And finally says, we have a DNA match. We got him. Dave says, are you trying to tell me that we know who the Green River Killer is? Tom, still stumbling and hard of words, reached into an envelope in his jacket pocket, hands it to Dave and says, he's in here. Dave opens the envelope and pulls out a mugshot of Gary Leon Ridgway. Um, And during the interview, all three of them are emotional. Yeah. Like... You know, they're like, they're saying this is, this is almost 20 years. I've been waiting on this moment. We had worked so hard. He had been at our fingertips, but the investigation got called off. We didn't have anything else. Yeah. And they're like, they're, we were so close. These grown ass men are sitting there like, like, like crying. They're like, I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to like just crying. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you. I watch. I love you. Um, also side note, um, Dave Reichardt is a congressman now for, that's why that name sounds familiar. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And we love him. We love. We, we love, love him. him. We'll vote for you. We'll vote for you. Okay. 
Um, so during, okay, they're all speechless, whatever. Gary was then arrested, and before he go to court, he decided he wanted to take a deal. Okay. I He's, feel like he shouldn't get a deal, but no, it's fine. No, 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 go no. ahead. I agree. He was to tell the truth, tell the tell where bodies were, take them to the bodies, and he wouldn't get the death penalty. So he, I mean, he agreed. He took them to as many places as he could remember, but says like, "I killed so many, it's hard to keep up." Um, just about that death penalty. We were just kidding. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, do we have to tell him the truth? He didn't tell us the truth for so long, right? Right. I mean, like, first of all, it is great for the families of the women that have gone missing that mm-hmm. they can now get some answers. That is why they gave him the deal. Yeah. They said. We wanted to offer this deal because the more answers we could get, the more closure it gets for these victims and these families. They yes, deserve that. They do. Mm-hmm. So I understand that part. You know, I don't like it, but it right I, makes sense. Um, he also said he did this because women controlled him, and he didn't want to be controlled. He is known for saying, "Hold on, are you ready?" <clears throat> he said, "Well, I always thought I was helping the police because y'all can't do nothing about the prostitutes, but I could." They're like. Mm. Okay, so it would be totally different if you weren't trying to get your rocks off before you killed them. Oh, I mean, not like that you that's just don't okay. Go around killing people. That, you yes. just don't. You don't get to decide who dies. But you don't get to be upset because they're a prostitute, and then you pay them for their services. You know what's worse than being a prostitute? You know what's worse than what? being, a, being a murderer? Right. What? So okay. So what? You want to sell your body a little bit? Listen, listen. I would charge more than twenty dollars. So much more than $20. You want to come at me for a million? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. And I have to finish. <laughs> I, need, I need more information. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so on November 5th, 2003, in a packed, stale courtroom, Ridgeway pled, pled guilty to every name that the judge read. 48 names were called in which he received 48 life sentences for each one. And as he was walking out of the courtroom, the last words Dave said to him were, gotcha, asshole. You know what they should have done? Did 47 and then had a whole nother trial for one more. And you pled for those 47, but not for this one. Okay. So, Tom, um, oh, okay, sorry. A year after that, Mm-hmm. Gary was then charged for the aggravated murder when the body of Marie Mulvar was discovered and he admitted to killing her. Those cops that day mm-hmm. could have stopped him when they pulled him over for that traffic violation and she was in the car. Yeah. Or that's the one with the boyfriend. They could have stopped it. Um, I'm guessing that the still like no death penalty thing is still on the table at this point because he got... Charged with another murder, but they still just gave him another, you know, like add another, another life sentence. So when you die, we're going to keep you until you die again and then keep you till you die again. Right. Um, it is said um, he admitted to killing 71 people, putting him at the highest body count. And I hate saying body count, but like I didn't know how it was midnight. Like I was over it. Um, the highest body count as a serial killer in America. Yeah. Tom retires, but still still continues to volunteer on this case. He says this case will never be closed until all the bodies are found and all the victims are identified. Yeah. So he just goes and spends his spare time trying to help these women, oh. right? Um, I would like to add this as a side note. So in, in 86 or 87, 
Tom and Dave get a phone call Mm -hmm. from a corrections facility. There's an inmate that wants to help them with this case. Do you know who that inmate was? Who? Ted Bundy. Oh. Yep. Okay. He gives them characteristics because they had like the same upbringing. They were kind of in the same area. He gives them like characteristics and things that like that a serial killer is going to think and do. Right. All of his predictions are true. Wow. That Ted Bundy helps them out. Like, Ted Bundy's on death row at this point. He's yeah. like, might as well help him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, he they have they interviewed him multiple times, and he helped with that case. Wow. Right? Isn't that creepy? Like, too serious? Ooh. All right. So, as of 2010, there were more bodies still being discovered. Oh. Yep. Um, Why do you have to be so depressing? I don't know. Okay, this I worked episode. so hard on this case. And, and then we're do, going live <laughs> and everyone's like, listen to how depressing. I know usually are. it's not. Well, usually they're sad, but like not this depressing. Okay. Hold on. Are you ready? I'm ready. January, 2021. Thanks to the Doe project. Yeah. The youngest victim of the Green River Killer was identified. Wendy Stevens, a 14 year old girl who had run away from home in the eighties was identified mm. as Bones 10. Hurt. Tom's first case. That hurt. He was there to pick up the bodies, and he's the one. Thanks to him, the Doe Project identified the fourteen-year-old girl's bones ten, and he cried during that too. Yeah. But, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So again, if I forgot some things, I'm so sorry. If I forgot some names, I am so sorry. Um, I tried to be as respectful as possible and give as many names as possible. Mm. Um, but I hope that one day this case can be closed. Yeah. Um, I hope there's closure for families and for victims. And I know this was a sad story, but like insane, right? It was. Um, I don't know how I hadn't heard of GRK yet. Right? Right? Like, I mean, how do we not he hear He killed more things. than Ted Bundy. Yeah, but right? he wasn't as good looking, I guess. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> not at all. Not not at all. Um, I would like to give credit for Netflix, a show called Catching Killers. Uh, Wikipedia, the Green River Killer, a timeline of his murder on biography.com, the SeattleTimes.com, Herald.net, and Carisable.com. Thank you for all the drama from my printer and computer. And this printer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was crazy, right? Yeah. Kind of a sad case. That was a kind really of a Debbie Downer. Case. Yeah, you are a Debbie Downer this week. I know. I know. How long was it, though? We're at 50 minutes. Okay. Look at us go. Yeah. Look at us go. Um, do you have any comments about my case? Well, it was really sad. I know. I know. But I don't understand how we have never heard about this. It's not, we're, we're murder podcasters. Right? What? (laughs) Like, what, what the hell? Wait till you hear my next one too. Ooh. Mm. How we didn't hear about this. So fucking close to home. (sighs) Bruh. You're gonna, you're gonna be like, what the fuck? Uh, Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. But it was good. I mean, that was good. It was sad. And all these people, like the seven, there are seven. (laughs) (laughs) There have been more, but like all these people are like, damn, these girls are depressing. I know. I know. It's so sad. But we're going to get on to bigger and better things. Yeah. So I'm just glad to get that one out. I feel like the victims deserved it. And it was a really good case, though. I love Tom. I love Dave. I love Faye. I love the task force. And how they did not give up. Even Never though the twenty women years. Were prostitutes. Yeah, Such freaking media. media. <laughs> I can't stand them. I cannot stand them. Okay, so mine. Okay. Like I said, it is the one where 
I had started it and then I had to go back and redo it and then that was a mess. Right. But so not only was all that a mess, but all the information that I got from this because it's such a crazy thing, mm-hmm. like some of the information just does not seem believable. Okay. But I'm going to say it anyways, just in case. Okay. Just in case. Um, also, like the timelines are totally messed up. I mean, like even the date that he was born, um, it was... I have 1936, but I saw it in 1935 and 1937. Like, I saw it multiple different years. <laughs> so, so he's like, around-ish. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, you're... Okay. Okay. All right. So, if some of this is not true, it's not my bad. Like, don't come for me. Um, and if it's not 100% correct, like, I did my best, okay? I wasn't there. Okay. I wasn't there. I wasn't in my right mind. Well, I wasn't at the murders either, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm with it. Okay, so we're going to talk about Joseph Lee Brenner the third. Okay. All right, so he is born December 11th, 1936, 35 or 37, one of them. One in of between. Those, one of those. Mm-hmm. I went with 36, it was in the middle, it seemed fair. At the Northern Liberties Hospital in Philadelphia. His parents are Joseph Jr. and Judith Brenner. But shortly after he's born, Joseph Jr. leaves Judith. Okay. So his dad leaves <gasps> his mom. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So shortly after he's born, his dad leaves his mom. Okay. And I'm just going off this. I think that his mom was like, I'm not made for the single mom life. So she puts him up for adoption. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, October 15th of 1939, he's adopted officially by Stephen and Anna Callinger, Collinger, C, no, K-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. Callinger? Callinger. Okay. Okay. Um, He does not have a good upbringing. He's Mm -hmm. abused. He's tortured. I mean, like, they were horrible people. Um, Some of the punishments that he had as a child um, were kneeling on rocks. He was locked inside, like, jagged rocks, not just regular rocks. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. My knees get sore from bathing a child in the bathroom. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, He was locked inside closets. He had to eat his own feces. Oh, my God. They forced him to hurt himself. Like, I can't hurt myself. I just can't do it. Um, He was burned with irons. He was whipped with belts, which we all, like, most of us now have gotten whipped with a belt at some point. But, like, when we did something really, really bad and it was only on our butt. Like, and it was not. Whatever. Um, and he was also starved. Okay, so, if he ends up a serial killer, like, this is why. Right? Yeah. Okay, so if all that is not bad enough, mm-hmm. he's sexually abused um, at knife point by a group of older boys. I f***ing hate people. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of that has happened before he's even 10 years old. Stop. Before he's even 10. No. Isn't that awful? Terrible. Horrible upbringing. Mm-hmm. So this trauma, like of being um, sexually abused by knife point, this leads to him having frequent masturbation sessions while holding a knife in his fist. Like he is so messed up from it. Ugh. So at 15 years old, he starts a relationship with one of his classmates, Hilda Bergman. Mm-hmm. His parents didn't like it, didn't want them to be together. I would assume that her parents wouldn't like it either. But either way, they were married when they turned 17. Okay. They had two children, although one of the reports said 10. I'm going with two. Let's hope. But Joseph was abusive towards, her, towards Hilda. Like, I mean, his upbringing, right. all the things that have happened. Not saying it's okay, but like, that's all he knows. Yeah. Yeah. So she eventually is like, I deserve better than this, and she leaves him. Okay. After she leaves, he's hospitalized. They think he has a suspected, like, brain lesion. Mm-hmm. 
But when he's in the hospital, they determine, no, it's not a brain lesion. You just have a psychopathological nervous disorder. So he's, like, mentally messed up. Did they put him in a mental hospital? No. Oh. No. Yeah. Sounds um, about right. He works at a shoe store, a shoe repair store, and I'm pretty sure that his adoptive father did too, and like he learned that trade from him. Okay. So that's what he's doing. But don't worry about him too much. He remarries. Okay. Um, in April of 1958, he's remarried, and he tries to burn the family's home down. Well, makes sense. He wants to collect the insurance. It's $1,600. Mm. You want to know how much that is in today's money? Of course I do. $15,435. Nope. That's not enough for me to try and burn my house down. No. It's just not enough. <laughs> oh, no, um, no, 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 no. That didn't work out. Oh. Um, like, it didn't burn down. I bet I think he did collect some money, maybe not as much as he had wanted. <laughs> so he tries again. To burn it down again? Four more times. Shut up. Four more times. Your first go around, your second go around. You're like, you know what? You know what? It's not in the cards for me. <laughs> no. Right? We got no. to figure this out no. a different way. It's time around. So um, he tries twice in May of 1963. So he did. He waited a little while, like five years. He's like, <laughs> oh, all right. All right. It's time. It's time. Let's burn this bitch. He tries again in August of 1965. And then once in October of 67. Um, Your house is concrete. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> it's me, It's not there. fucking burning. Um, eventually, the insurance stopped paying out. They well, were like, yeah. <laughs> no, sir. We're sir. not giving you any money no, for trying to burn it, your house if down. It, if it burns, it burns, baby. <laughs> right? Like, you no longer have fire insurance on your house. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Listen, we'll trade you flood. <laughs> no you fire. You can have some flood, but you can't have any fire. <laughs> yep. So, he also tries to kill himself. I said he tried to off himself several times. Unalive. <laughs> Unalive. Mm-hmm. Um, several times, and he did spend some more time inside a mental hospital. Well, that's probably the best option. Yeah, good for him, yes. Mm-hmm. He should have stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, the second Mrs. Brenner, though, even through all the trying to burn our house down and trying to unalive yourself, I'm going to see this marriage through. Like, I love you, though, honey. Like, till death do us part. <laughs> death as in like one of us is gonna die soon or so in 1972 they have six kids living in their home nope so too many like yeah some from them together and then two from joseph's first marriage which like i ain't leaving my kids with you Mm -mm. not happening Mm -mm. like not doing it no baby so in january january 23rd 1972 joseph's oldest daughter and they don't give her name um tries to run away rightfully so yeah as punishment. She just smells like soot. <laughs> <laughs> like all my clothes are gross. Like, come on, dad. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So she tried to run away. As punishment, he brands her thigh with a hot iron. Shut up. Right? And I was like, like, just like, like, did he put his name on it? Like, Joseph's daughter? Like, <laughs> what? Like, what? <laughs> or did we just burn it? Yeah. Like, what shape? Yeah. Like, I need to know. <laughs> Is it like the same shape you use for your cattle, you know, so you can brand <laughs> right. her like that's our logo. She ain't going nowhere. She, she's mine. Or if he just took like the fire poker thing, made it hot yeah. and just, just here. Cause like if you're going to brand me, fucking make it good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to need Jordan's bitch on the side of my <laughs> leg or something like that. Like, don't just don't just put a burn mark on me. That's rude. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So eventually three of their six children go to the police as they should. Yeah. And they tell him, hey, we're being abused at home. You know, like, it's not, things aren't good. Sister got burned. Right? Yeah. Police send the three kids to the hospital. They're examined. All the stories that they tell, 
match the injuries that they have. So, like, all the in- injuries are consistent. Hmm. So, police interview Joseph and his wife, and uh, they deny it. They're like, uh, those kids are lying. All those injuries that they have, like, that's self-inflicted. They did it in themselves, trying to run away, blah, 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 blah. She burned herself. Yeah, she did it herself. No. So, Joseph is arrested. While he's in jail, he scores an 82 on an IQ test. This is going to sound like I shouldn't take an IQ test. What is the range for IQ tests? Do we know? No, but it's so much higher than that. Like, it, Okay. It's That's so not like higher. even average. No. Oh, okay. So, he's unfit to stay in trial for the child abuse. Okay. They diagnose him with paranoid schizophrenia. Okay. He's placed on four years probation. Does he still get to keep his kids? Has a mandatory psych treatment, uh-huh. and the state recommends he supervised while with his family. We're just gonna recommend that somebody watch you, right? Like your wife. But like, go ahead and take your kids home, have a good time. Like your wife can watch you. No, the wife that has no. been watching you abuse your children, just let her watch you. No, no. Um, but the children later recount their statements. Yeah, because he's they at have home to. abusing them. Yes, if you don't take it back, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. I'll be like, I take it back. I take it back, Dad. Yeah. Like, come on. Oh my God. Okay, so by 1974, Joseph is full-on crazy. Um, He's He's been crazy. Right? Mm -hmm. But now he's hallucinating constantly and has an imaginary friend. The friend is a disembodied head named Charlie. Charlie. Joseph also receives orders from God. God spoke to him directly Mm. um, and said, I want you to murder young boys, but don't just kill them. You need to cut their penis off. Like, God's telling him that. Like no, he's he not. He thinks that God is telling him that. That's Charlie. I'd be like, um, excuse Mm-mm. me, God. I'm going to need a good reason mm. why you want me to do Like, I know that, like, it's all in God's plan. I'm going to need a good reason. I don't think it's you. No, I'm. <laughs> I don't think it's you, God. I'm going to need a real sign here because that's questionable. Right. I'm going I'm to I'm walk into the church doors and then you tell me while I'm sitting there in that church, okay? Right. Uh, and then I tell you what, not only you tell me, but you bring me the first boy and I'll be like, <laughs> I still feel like this ain't right. Yeah. Okay. But he feels the need to fulfill God's orders. No, he doesn't. Please don't. And he needs some help. From who? His 13-year-old son, Michael. No, no, thank you. So this leads to his first murder with his son's help because, you know, the family that murders together stays together. <laughs> so the pair finds a young boy, Jose. He's playing on the playground by himself. No. They kill him. No. They cut his member off. No. Yeah. And it doesn't take long for Jose to be found after, afterwards. Oh, I could throw up. All right. That's not enough for Joseph. He did God's work. That's not good enough. So. That's not God's work. He, I, yeah. No. It's not <laughs> at all. Like. I'm, t- I'm sorry. I'd be like, what? 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 No. You want Mm-mm. me to what? You want me to what? Mm, not feeling it. Mm-mm. So Joseph turns his own, like his sights on his own son. Not Michael. <gasps> but his son, Joey, which is that Joseph. Yeah. Like named after him, but goes by Joey. He's going to go after his son. So Joseph or Joey is one of the three that went to the police to say that, you know, my dad's abusing me. <gasps> no. So after Joey goes to police, Joseph sends Joey to a reform school. Okay. At least he's gone. During this time, um, he goes under psychological examination and is found to be seriously disturbed. Like, I mean, your dad's abusing you at home. Of course he's seriously disturbed. Yeah. Joey 
has had a history of having sexual relationships with older men. And so I How old is Joey? I don't know. Oh my god. Okay. But it's not, you know, it's not good. I mean, like but you're but look at his dad. Oh gosh, yeah. Come on. Ugh. So Joseph takes out a $45,000 life insurance on Joseph or Joey. Mm, that's so on his side, begins. which is $254,000, 484 cents and 50 no. $484.58. Okay, it's better than the house burning $15,000. Okay, but it's your son. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm not trying to judge. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Like, if he's taking out a random life insurance policy, like, no, on just one kid, no, 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 no. Red flag. Red flag. Red flag. Yep. I was like, Haley, you can have $15,000 to burn your house down, or you can have it. Two hundred and fifty-four thousand to kill a fin. No, your choice. No, <laughs> let the house burn. Not worth it. Mm-mm. Not worth it. No. So two weeks later, after taking out this life insurance policy, Joseph reports Joey missing. You know, as one does after you kill your own family, you report them missing because yeah. you know. So his first attempt to murder his son. Please tell me it was unsuccessful. Was unsuccessful. He takes him on a photo shoot to a cliff. Stop. To an edge of a cliff. Hey, son, get right there on that cliff right there. Let me take your picture. But tells him to keep Uh, backing up. Back it up. Back up further. A little bit further. Back up some more. Back up some more. Great picture. Just keep backing up. Because he's like, brah. (laughs) (laughs) And Joey's like, what the f***, dad? No. I'm not going to walk off the back. Like, all I got to do is go, boop. That's the end of it. No. So, um, that doesn't work. No. No. Then... He tries to lock him in a trailer and set the trailer on fire. The, the trailer doesn't burn, does it? I, what? No, Joey gets out. Okay. First of all, why does he keep trying to light things on fire? It's unsuccessful, Right, babe. you're not very good at that. No, honey. So, come on. Mm-mm. When, when, he, when he can't back his son off a cliff, he tries to burn him in a trailer. But that doesn't work either. We've established he's not good at burning things. No, not a, not a good arson. Okay. So, we are back. We need some help. So once again, we enlist the help of Michael. Michael, because the family that kills together stays, stays together, together. Unless you're my son who told on me, and then yes, you don't get to stay with me. Yes. So they took Joey to an abandoned building, and a building—it's not just an abandoned building; like they were like the building's being torn down. Okay. And unfortunately, they drown him. So his body is found August 9th, nineteen seventy-four. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. So, Joseph is questioned. Like, police are like, um, you took out this really big life insurance policy on your child, and now he's, you know. And you're fucking crazy? Dead. Yeah. Um, so, like, we think you did it. Yeah. But they can't link him to the murder. But it's not from lack of trying. Like, they tried really hard. But because the body was in a building being demolished, some of the evidence was lost. The body was crushed. Like, they couldn't even determine how he was killed. Okay. Because, you know, they crushed him and, you know, like, whatever. Either way, bad stuff happened. So, they can't determine the cause of death. Joseph immediately demands payout from the insurance. Like, the day the body is found, he's like, I'm going to need. That's usually how it goes. I'm going to need my insurance money. Please, thank you. Yes, that's usually how it goes. The murders, when it's the husband or the wife or, I guess, the dad, they call, like, the next day, like, hey, excuse me, um, I need that money. But he didn't even wait a day. He called, like, the body's found. Excuse me, I need to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, ridiculous. Insurance, though, they're like, ah, 
We think you did it. Mm-hmm. We think you did it. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not giving it to you. And Joe's just like, um, I'll burn your building down. <laughs> and they're like, no. I'll try. And they're <laughs> no, like, you won't. <laughs> good, good luck. <laughs> but Joseph is like, I didn't kill him because I also took a large insurance policy out on Michael. I took it out on two of my kids, Michael and Joey. Because if Michael had said he wasn't going to help me kill Joey, I was going to kill him too. But he said he would help. So <laughs> they're not. like, oh, okay. Okay. Insurance yeah. is like, no, we're not. You can't have any money. No, like, no we're not doing it. Just no. So two months after Joey is killed, Michael is found wandering the streets. For why? He has multiple head injuries. He doesn't know how he received them, has no idea. And police are like, uh, your daddy tried to off you, dude. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, he tried to off you. Like, he even told us that he had an insurance policy on you. He didn't get Joey's money, so now he's trying to off you. Yeah. Um... But Michael's like, no, Daddy wouldn't do that. <laughs> Daddy loves me. Daddy loves me. Yeah. So we police, kill together. <laughs> right? Like, it's great. So police are like, mm, mm, we're gonna we're gonna work real hard to put you behind bars. Like they investigated him. Like they were on him like white on rice. Like they all about him. Like knew he was mm-hmm. knew he was bad. Eventually, Joseph files a lawsuit against police saying they're harassing him and his family, and he doesn't like it. Police are like, this Sir. is this <laughs> is why we're harassing you. Sir. This is what's going on. <laughs> we know that you were involved in the um, murder of Joey, but we're, we're just whatever. But the court is like, um, you're harassing him. Could you stop and tell police to drop the case? Jo- Joseph wants them to. Do they drop it? The judge tells him, <gasps> tells police to drop the case. The judge no. is like, yeah, you have to drop your case now. Like, no, 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 no. There's a dead child and then a half-beaten child. Yeah. Well, there's two dead children, actually. At Michael died? No, because they remember the little boy that they killed. Oh, yeah. I mean, his own child. Okay, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yes. But so, like, come no, on. Bitch. And no, the no. judge is like, um, he's a good man. Could you stop? Mm-hmm. Seems like a stand-up fella. Could you stop it, please and thank you? Mm-hmm. So police are like, what the fuck? I'm like, what? Yeah. We'll wait for him to do something stupid again. Yeah. Okay, they don't have to wait long. Surely not. What does he try to burn down now? He, nothing. Oh. But once again, we use Michael, the family that kills together. Stay together. together. So January 8th of 1975 in Liana, New Jersey, mm-hmm. Dee Dee Romaine Wiseman answers the door of her... Er, goes to the door of her parents house uh, word mm-hmm. goes to her parents house so okay. like she's married she doesn't live there anymore and she goes because her um grandmother is really sick and can't be left at home by herself like she's in bed people needs right care um the mom and sisters were gone and so um Dee, Dee goes over there to spend like the day with her grandmother and watch her right yeah so um, the doorbell rings, and Dee Dee opens the door to a man saying, Hey, I'm a salesman. I don't know what he was trying to sell, but he's a salesman. Um, and my name's John Hancock. First of all, I know that John Hancock is a real name, but nobody's <laughs> named John Hancock anymore. No. Be like, um, excuse me, let me see some ID. Yeah, where is that ID? Oh, you got some ID? Oh, no, you must be a cop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. She says he has a strange o- odor, but he also has a young boy with him. The man, of course, is Joseph. The boy is, of course, Michael. 
Mm-hmm. So Joseph asks, hey, is anyone else in the house? And Dee Dee's like, you need to leave. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like that. You need to go. But Joseph forces his way inside the house. What? Sorry. We have um, 8.7 thousand likes. Okay. okay. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Thank jo- you. <laughs> so um, Joseph forces his way in the house. Dee Dee's like, what the fuck? She fights back, but then he pulls out a gun, a revolver. I think it's like a chrome-plated revolver. And while they're fighting, Dee Dee's four-year-old son, Robert, comes running in. No! Like, what's going on? What's, you know, whatever. Joseph pulls out a knife and tells um, Dee Dee, don't look at me. Like, do what I say and no one's going to get hurt. So he asks her again, is anyone in the house? And Dee Dee's like, my grandmother's here. But she's in bed. She's feeble. She, you know, whatever. So he sends Michael to check on the woman. And apparently Michael, like, has, like, a squeaky little voice. Like, okay. And goes and checks on her and says, yeah, she's here. But she's, like, she's not going to be able to get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. So Dee Dee and her son are forced into a bedroom. Joseph tells her to strip. Um, she hesitates because, like, I'm not stripping for you. Ew. Um, and so he. Ooh, und- and he stinks. She said he had an odor. Yeah, <laughs> and he stinks. Um, so he undresses her. He ties, uh, he gets an electrical cord and ties her elbows and ankles together. And then Robert, the four-year-old boy. No, is I don't want to know. Is stripped naked. No. And placed on the bed with Dee Dee. No. Joseph pulls Dee Dee's legs apart and is shocked when he finds that she's on her period. Like, not just shocked. He's like grossed out. <laughs> oh, you're grossed oh. out? Oh, it's so gross. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. All the gross shit you do. (laughs) Right? He removes her tampon and throws it on the floor. Uh. And he is just disgusted. (laughs) Then the doorbell rings. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, excuse me, sir, that's my carpet. (laughs) Now I gotta fucking shampoo that. And now I'm free bleeding on the bed. Like, what the (laughs) fuck, dude? (laughs) <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Not the mattress. <laughs> so can you get a towel? <laughs> I know you have me tied here naked, but can I have a towel? Like, can I have another tampon, sir? What are we doing? What are we doing right now? <laughs> oh, God, we're terrible. Okay. <laughs> so the doorbell rings again. Or rings. Dee mm-hmm. Dee, um, Dee's sister's Randy, has returned home, and the door is locked. And she's like, what? is this door locked right she locks their door right she's trying to get her keys out and unlock the door and then she's shocked because joseph answers the door and pulls her inside he takes her upstairs to the same room that dd and robert are in and says strip but once again he's disgusted to find out that she's on her period Oh. What what is wrong with all the women in this house? Everybody's joined up. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, we're all syncing up. What? Don't go get Why? grandma. Don't go get grandma. <laughs> I don't want to say it. <laughs> oh right. my god. Once again, the doorbell rings. Oh my god. Dee Dee It's Randy. like my house. Just <laughs> fucking people coming Just in left and right. He's like, what the fuck? What is going on here? What is up with this house? We gotta go. So Dee Dee and Randy's mother, um, sister, <laughs> and sister's boyfriend return home. Oh. So the mother is Edwina, the okay. sister is Retta, and then the boyfriend is Frank. Okay. So Joseph once again opens the door, forces them all inside. I mean, now we're like five adults on, t- on a man and a child. Well, technically six. Well, grandma don't count. 
Well, okay, yeah. She can't do nothing. Six and then a child. So Mm -hmm. there are six adults, Mm -hmm. one child that him, like a man and a boy, are holding in this house now. All right. So he forces them to lay. He forces Edwina and Reto to lay down. Like I guess he's done with that bedroom. That bedroom's bad luck. Everybody in that bedroom's (laughs) on their period. We can't have that. So he forces them to lay down on one side of the living room, and Frank, the boyfriend, is on the other side. So we separated the men and women. Like I don't really know. Michael holds a gun to Frank's head while Joseph. I don't know why I said Joseph. Oh, yeah. Okay, I do now. Michael, the boy, holds a gun to Frank's head while Joseph, the dad, mm-hmm. ties Frank's hands together with a belt. Joseph then orders Michael to tie the women up. Um, he ties Retta up, no problem, with the vacuum cord. But when he gets to Edwina, he has a trouble trouble like tying her hands i think he's got her feet but he can't get her hands tied together like while you're using that vacuum cord can you go (laughs) (laughs) that bedroom upstairs that you did disgusting (laughs) things on the floor can we just vacuum like yeah clean for me please thank thank you. you um but joseph is like don't worry about the mom she's too old to do anything anyways like Oh, Grandma? No, the or mom. Edwina. Edwina. Oh. <laughs> Her name's probably not Edwina, but it looks like Edwina. <laughs> but so she's like, she's too old to do anything anyways. Don't worry about her and her hands. Ah, uh, okay. And then guess what happens? What? Y- you don't know? No. So Another <laughs> door. Does somebody else come to the door? Somebody else comes to the door. <laughs> what? <laughs> How many people live in this fucking house? That's all. That's all of them are there now. Okay. So okay. Joseph opens the door to find the neighbor. Um, her name is Maria. Um, she's concerned because she's heard yelling, and so she came over to check. But another report that I had okay. said that she was a nurse and that she was coming over to check on the grandmother. Okay. Um, Come so check on Granny. Yeah. So this one's a little bit sadder. Jo- Joseph forces her inside and tells her to lay down with the others. Frank... You know, the boyfriend is then taken down into the basement. He's gag, hogtied, and I'm pretty sure they put, like, um, tape all around his head. And Joseph pulls down his pants and his underwear, holds the knife against nope. Frank's penis, and said, if you move, this goes. Ugh. And then he's left downstairs. So Maria is just, is then forced down into the basement. And this is, like, trigger warning, okay? Trigger warning, also, careful what you say, on the lap with the children. The children part. Oh, sorry. No, I mean just in the future. Okay. Okay. I forgot we were alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Maria is then forced down into the basement, um, where Joseph sexually assaults her and then coat cuts her throat. And while oh. he um Frank is down there and he can hear her screaming, Help me, he's hurting me, I'm drowning. Oh my god, oh my god. So while Joseph is in the basement with Maria Edwina with Edwina. Ed, Edwina with only her feet um, tied, not her hands, is able to make it out of the front door. Michael screams down to his dad, someone is loose, but it's too late. Edwina's neighbor Lucy was checking her mail and saw um, Edwina screaming. So Lucy's like, um, what are you Let me go doing? check it out. Let me walk in the door like everybody else did. She's like, what's going on? So she goes over. But she's smarter. She sees Edwina's legs are bound together, and she's like, fuck this shit. <laughs> and she's out. <laughs> and yeah. she calls the cops. Yeah. So police arrive. They find Edwina still on the front porch. Her legs are still tied together. Like, Lucy didn't even go back over and, like, untie her. She was just like, 
I'm you stay there. <laughs> I'm gonna need some cops. You bunny hop over here. <laughs> if safe you, side of the street, baby. <laughs> right. Nothing bad's happening over here if you want to come over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mom tells her there are two men in the house with guns and knives and they're killing my family. And they're cutting off wainers. Well, they just threaten to. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, police find Retta, which is the daughter. She's inside. She's hiding behind the sofa. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, I don't blame her either. I'd be hiding behind the sofa. Like, she's all tied up. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, she manages to say upstairs. I have no idea why she says upstairs. Like, I'm assuming that she thought her family was upstairs, but everything that they've done since she got home, they've taken everyone downstairs. Yeah. So I don't know why. But police go upstairs. They find Randy on the floor, still bound with tape all around her head, and then Dee Dee and Robert on the bed. So, of course, they, you know, help them out. When backup arrives, so, like, that's the first cop that goes in. Mm-hmm. When backup arrives, Edwina lets them know there are more people in the basement. Like, they're not just upstairs and here. There are people in the basement. There are 100 people in this house right now. Right. They go down into the basement, and it is pitch black. When they turn the light on, they can see Maria slumped in a corner. She's still fully dressed, but she's covered in blood, and her throat was slashed ear to ear. So, she actually drowned, like, Oh, my God. Police then hear moans and find Frank tied up in another corner by the furnace. Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody's let go. And so it's just Maria. Mm -hmm. So the search of the house finds that Joseph and Michael have already fled. They're not there. It's not long, though, before police receive a call, which this is what, the 80s? When did I say this was? Um... We're in the 80s now. No, we're in 75. Okay, that's okay. I was just making sure I told them right. Okay, so we're in 75 now. So it's not long, though, before police received another call. Um, they get a call from a lady named Eva Rumi. She lives a few streets away, and she calls and gives the description of two strange people. She said she was walking her dog at a park. She saw a man and a boy run into the park. The man, they stop. The man throws his shirt and tie on the ground and then washes his hands off in a puddle. Um, they leave. There was, like, another boy there playing basketball. She talked to that boy. She's like, that was weird, right? And he was like, yeah, that was really weird. She goes over, and she finds the clothing that they have left, and the clothing has blood on it. Yeah. So she goes home, calls the cops, and then um, cops go to the park. They find the clothing, but, of course, the, the pair's already gone. So word spreads quickly. It's a small town. I think it was, like, a town of 9,000 people, which is really not much. Mm-hmm. Um word spreads quickly and then they start getting reports of like previous sightings so one of the sightings that they got comes from a man who says a dark eyed man with a dark top coat and a teenage boy with long blonde hair and a ski cap came to his door the same day his stepdaughter had answered the door the boy asked if the joneses lived there when the man comes around the corner to see who his stepdaughter is talking to the pair like run off Oh, my gosh. Um, a bus driver also reported a man and a boy getting on the bus during the afternoon of January 8th. He gave their description where they were traveling, and he said they looked like they had been running. Like, they, you know, they looked like something was up. It's not just yeah. like you're getting on the bus to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, with all the reports, police are able to put together a map of how Joseph and Michael came into town and how they left town. Okay. 
So police are smart. They use this map and they start to search for other items that the pair may have dumped. I mean, they left the shirt and the tie. Just fucking in public, just hanging out by a park. Yeah. If I see a shirt with blood on it, like, yeah, like not good. Yeah. So um, this works out for the police. They find a man's watch with a blue face, a brown leather knife um, sheath, so like a knife holder, and then the knife, which is stained with blood, a um, chrome-plated 32 caliber revolver, Edwina's Timex watch, which they stole from her when they left, a ring that belonged to Dee Dee, and then um, Maria, they determine that the knife that they found matches the wounds from Maria. Um, unfortunately, the knife has no obvious markings, so they can't um, link that to anyone. And then the serial number on the gun has been filed off, so they can't link that to anyone. <laughs> of course it has. But the shirt that yeah. they have found, they determined that it was made in Philadelphia, sold at one store or like, wow. like a chain store. Okay. And it has a laundry mark on it. Okay. The laundry mark that they can make out is K-A-L. Okay. Which, remember his... Calendar. Calendar. Yes. All right. So police reach out to other areas. Hey, have we had any similar crimes? Like, did you have anything like this go on? Uh And it's found that a pair that matched Joseph and Michael. I know we need to turn that thing off now. Yeah. Um, A pair that matches Joseph and Michael knocked on the front door of multiple houses in Linwood, New Jersey, on November 22nd, 1974, in Harrisburg, PA, on December 3rd, um, in Baltimore on December 10th, and on Dunmark, New Jersey, on December 6th. Each time they knocked on the door, the boy asked, do the Joneses live, to- live here? No, we're not keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Each one <laughs> of the victims <laughs> said that the, men, that the man had a bad smell. Like an odd smell. Ew. Fucking shower. <laughs> so no one is murdered in any of those attacks. They're all tied up and robbed. One woman receives a deep cut to her breast. Two are sexually assaulted by Joseph. And one was ordered to let the boy do whatever he wants. But Michael can't keep it up. So. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Keep it up. Keep it up. Ew. <laughs> I like how long it took you to get that. I'm like keeping up what? Like the charade? Keep up your charade. Nope. No, no, he can't keep it up. It. It. Yeah. So fingerprints from the house gave no clues. Like they can't find, they get, they got fingerprints from all the houses, but they can't find anything. They come up with nothing. Um, But somehow they come up with the name Calendar, but it's spelled different. C-A-L, no, not C, K-A-L. I-N-G-R, which his last name is K-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. Okay. So police, I think it's from the laundry mark from the shirt. Like they were able to get the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing said that. They were just like, we came up with this name. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure it's from the laundry mark on the shirt. They're like, Um, we're so smart. We're so smart. We're like, "Mm." Mm. (laughs) it's calendar. (laughs) Um, Police finally get a break when they locate... They they figure out where this you know the shirt sold. They go to the um, which was Bird Brother. It was a department store in Philly. They go there. The department store is like I don't know who bought it, and they're like okay, well let me call the local law enforcement there to see if they have any reports of a calendar in the area. But they were searching for the spelling that's on the shirt, which Wrong only spelling. has one L. So none of the um, 
like the computer comes up with nothing. Right. But one of the man, like one of the um, officers that answered was like, mm, that name sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay. But police also go around to dry cleaners. Okay. And they get a big oh, break sorry. at Bright Sun Cleaner. Okay. So they bring the shirt in and the owner's like, uh, that's Joe Killinger's shirt. Callinger shirt. He runs the shoe repair store down the block. He's able to identify the shirt without even looking at the laundry mark. Like they just like hold it up and what are you doing? I don't know. Trying to fix it. Okay, sorry. They just like hold the shirt up and they're like, uh, and he's like, yeah, that's Joe's shirt. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they're like, How? we wash it one time and then he uses <laughs> it for a month. It smells real stank when it comes back. <laughs> no. He's like, I don't even need to look at the laundry mark. I know that it's his shirt because of how it smells. <gasps> I was right. You're right. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Um, smells like Joe. He's also able to tell them why the laundry mark on the shirt is misspelled while it only has one L mm-hmm. instead of the two. So the marking machine can only print eight letters. So he left the one L out. Same, same, same. Sir. Okay. Let's spell things correctly. Well, he can't spell it correctly. He only has eight letters. We'll just leave the R off. Well, he it, it made sense to him. He didn't know this guy was going to go murdering people. <laughs> well, you should have known by his smell. God. <laughs> so, police sent pictures of Joseph and Michael to all the other places where the crimes have occurred. Each one of them sent back positive ID of Joseph. Like, this is him. But they can't identify the boy as Michael or James, which is another boy another one of joseph's children so they can't say which one is which one it is okay so january 17th like they've gotten enough information right like we're, yeah, we're taking him down yeah january 17th 9 30 p.m police from philadelphia homicide squad and they let two detectives from each of the locations where they had um like knocked on the door and made these crimes yeah so it's like a whole bunch of different departments come together um and they storm the house Police arrest Michael and James, but they don't find Joseph. But it doesn't doesn't take long to find him, though, because I think it was a duplex and next door to them, Joseph's mom lived there. Mm -hmm. They find a hole cut in the wall. Escape route. And so they storm into Joseph's mother's house and they're like, we don't we're not going to find him like he's he's long gone if he's made it through the hole. Right. Right. Um, No, he's on the phone with his lawyer. Already? Mm-hmm. That's quick. Mm-hmm. He's, he's called his lawyer. And he's like, Help! <laughs> um, I'm not talking to you without my lawyer being here, so thank you. And I'm like, uh, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> so James is quickly released. Police are like, it, it wasn't you, it was Michael. Like, we know it wasn't you, it was Michael. So they, they're like, okay, we're going to interview Michael. And their hopes are that, you know, this is a young boy, so like he's, we'll put some pressure on him, he'll break. Yeah. But they made the mistake of letting Michael and Joseph, like, pass each other in the hall. Like, they just walked by each other. Mm-hmm. And when they did, Joseph looks at Michael and says, if you tell them anything, I'll kill you. Not guilty. Definitely didn't do it. Um, yeah. No. So Joseph is charmed. Is charmed? I don't know what charmed is. But he's charged. Mm-hmm. With armed robbery, wounding, I don't know, kidnapping, theft, 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 rape, and murder of Maria. Police say it's not long after being re- arrested 
that his behavior changes. So, like, he was acting normal, like, pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then his behavior starts to change. So, um, they don't know if, it, like, if he's really crazy or if he's just acting to no, try to fucking crazy. crazy. So, Joseph tells um, psychologists that he is there on a divine mission. He's on a mission from God. That people that were badly designed shoes had brains that are malfunctioned. Or... Yeah, so, like, your shoes can cause your brain to mess up. Well, I mean, sometimes, you ever been downtown, you're drinking too much, you got on some <laughs> heels, and, like, all of a sudden your brain goes mush because then you take your shoes off and walk in a dirty fucking bar barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. Uh-huh. You get glass so, in your feet, you get bar tar in your toes. Your brain's mush. Your brain's mush so at that gross. point. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's your shoes, though. I think that's the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> So Joseph himself wore wedges in his shoes to adjust the list in his body to harmonize with his brain. Feng shui. (laughs) (laughs) I repair people's shoes and I am doing God's work. (laughs) Yes. This is God's work. God said I needed to put lifts in my shoes. Got that little man syndrome. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, so he's trying to give himself a little height. So not only that, though, He's been alive for guess how long? Guess how long he's been alive? Joseph? Yeah. 42 years. <laughs> okay. No, he's been alive for a thousand years. Oh, I thought that was a literal question. No. Oh, he's Jesus. Well, he, he's not Jesus. He's a butterfly. Oh, you're serious? <laughs> he's a butterfly. And he is constantly pursued by the devil. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> You ever hit a butterfly with your car and you're like, oh my God, I'm I, so just, sorry. I just killed somebody's grandmother. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Next time be like, fucking Joseph. <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> so on September 18th, 1975, Joseph is found guilty, guilty, um, guilty of robbery, kidnapping, and burglary. So the murder charge is a separate one because, you know, he did this multiple places. So you've got to have trials multiple places, right? Okay. We can't just put everybody in one. Yes. So during the trial, he's calm, cool, reads his Bible, and doesn't pay any attention to what's going on in the trial. I bet that is like a child who you're speaking to and they're pretending they don't fucking hear you. You know, his defense lawyer was like, sit over there and read. (laughs) You just sit over there and read. Don't say anything. (laughs) You say one fucking word, I'll kill you. (laughs) You ready for his defense? What? (laughs) A butterfly with an attorney on speed dial. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yes. (laughs) All right. His defense. He is a family man and he's unfairly accused of these crimes. I, you, you know what? Butterflies don't kill their families. Okay? They, they sure don't. No, he cocooned out. <laughs> and uh, he's whole again. Yes. Um, when he is found guilty, he is clearly shocked. Like, what? Me? <laughs> you think I did this? <laughs> what? Am I the drama? Am I, the, I don't think I'm the drama. Am I the villain? <laughs> no. No. Um, but I guess he's doing a good job at playing crazy. I guess he thought that doing a good job at playing crazy would help him get out of it. And so, like, it didn't. And he's like, what? (laughs) Me? Me? (laughs) All right. So, while he's waiting for his second trial to start, because Mm. he's got to be moved and blah, 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 blah. He's not the model inmate. He's just. Shocker. Not doing a good job. He starts flooding his cell every day by, like, blocking his toilet, like, stopping it up. He collects cups of water under his bed 
what are you doing? Like, what? Is, what it's is, like, um, what's that movie where it's like the aliens are coming? Oh, um, signs. Signs. Yeah. Water. 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 Yeah. So that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. No, we know. Mm-hmm. He throws his own piss and shit at the guards. Let me tell you one fucking thing. Let me throw it at me and you are going to regret it. (laughs) Don't you dare throw that dirty fecal matter that's been stewing around in your belly for weeks. Sir, you are gross in my face and he stinks anyway. And you know, his poo poo stinks worse than he does. Yes. Throw that in my face and I, and I, I would. Oh my God. But he spends most of his time pooping. Most of his downtime is spent rolling around on the ground screaming. Hmm. Like, sir, that's got to be annoying to you. Told you he's a child. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Right, do you remember Charlie? No, the, the one, the, the head, the headless or the the bodiless yeah. imaginary friend. Is he yeah. back? Okay, so he's either back, but some reports say this is the first time that he was there. So I don't know if he's, okay. he's back or if it's just like this is where Charlie began. Yeah, this is okay. where he begins. Um, either way. Charlie, the floating head, tells him to do, <laughs> tells Joseph what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, Charlie runs him. Yeah. Charlie's the boss. Yeah. Um, Charlie's responsible for everything that I'm doing. No. The flooding my toilet, all that. Char- it's Charlie's fault. Yeah. One night, a guard finds Joseph sleeping on the floor. And he's like, why are you sleeping on the floor? And he's like, Charlie's in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Charlie's ahead. Like, e- <laughs> Yeah. Like, Charlie's ahead. You could have. <laughs> it's like Rose and Jack in the door. <laughs> he can fit on the door. Right. Ask Charlie it. to just roll over. <laughs> you cheer your pillow with him. Give him a doing? little flick. <laughs> <laughs> roll. You just crawl right in and spoon his non-body. Right. Give him a little boop. <laughs> just boop, boop. Do, 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 do. Okay. There. But yeah, so Charlie's, Charlie's hog in the bed. Charlie's so rude. Charlie. Fucking Charlie. God. So Joseph is extradited to New Jersey on September 13th, 1976. The prison guards were pretty happy to see him go. They told him to make sure to take Charlie with him. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget Charlie. Charlie, shoot. Shoot. Uh, Joseph, did you get Charlie? (laughs) Don't forget him. Football punt him. Make sure the butt, the seat next to him is empty so that Charlie can sit there. Thank you. Yep. Guards are pretending to kick the head. <laughs> and Joseph Here is like, go. no. <laughs> Not Charlie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. So the trial for Maria starts on September 23rd, 1976. It wasn't just the trial of the murder of Maria, but also all the charges of the stuff Kidnapping that happened that and day. Yeah. <laughs> And the, what was the what was the one charge where we were like, huh? Hurting um, somebody? Wounding. 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 It's from pulling out that dry tampon. <laughs> wounding. <laughs> you know that had to hurt if it was not ready to come out yet. Ow! Yeah, it ripped what are it you out. doing? There come your insides, fam. Oh, rude. How rude. <laughs> That's the wounding part. <laughs> That's the wounding. That is so rude. <laughs> Really, I'm, I'm offended. <laughs> really hurt. <laughs> really hurt. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Why? Why? <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> so this town comes together and they're like, we saw him. He didn't belong here. And we all know about it. They have so many witnesses placing Joseph there. Joseph and Michael. Yeah. There. So one of the witnesses is, is a postman, Salvador Tufo, like T-U-F-O. Tufo. Okay. Tufo. 
Um, he sees them walking. He says that they seem to be scanning houses as they go. The weird part is they're holding hands and cuddling. Hmm. Michael's 13 or 14 <laughs> and holding his dad's hand and cuddling him. Um, I don't cuddle my dad like that. Like, I'm not going to walk down the road holding my dad's hand. See, hand. I might hold my dad's hand. Like, Yeah, but I'm not going to cuddle him. No. Okay, but this is at 11 a.m. Okay. So, Lucy, do you remember Lucy? She's the neighbor that calls the cops? Yes, she dips out. Yes. Yeah. So, she testifies that she saw them outside of her window at 12. They were walking down the road. Um, she didn't think much about it, except for the boy seemed to act. They gave a, a word for it, but when I looked it up, it was like, acted more like a woman or just unmanly. Like, it was not... The boy? Yeah, the boy. Oh. Acted more like a woman. I mean, this is the 70s, so... Yeah. Know. Um... Um, she leaves home and when she returns at 3.30 is when she goes to check her mail and that's when she finds Edwina and that's when she calls. Okay. So she, they were walking by at 12 and then she at 3.30 found them. Multiple other people testified to seeing the pair around that day. Mm -hmm. um, the defense says, brings like two people forward and they're like, we saw someone that looked like Joseph not here. Yeah. Like they saw someone that looked like Joseph somewhere else. I'm like, that's a horrible defense. Like, <laughs> you can leave there. <laughs> like, way to waste our time. Thank yeah. you. So, Joseph also acts strange during this trial. This does not. Trial. Do they have an extra chair for Charlie? <laughs> Where's Charlie sitting? <laughs> so, he seems like annoyed. He rolls his eyes. He shakes his head. He kicks his feet. He throws his arms all while making weird noises like a temper tantrum. He's a toddler. Like, I yeah. wonder if he has that, like, where you think you're a kid. Yeah. Ew. Um, he acts out so much. Thomas or Judge Thomas Dalton eventually is like you're too disruptive and has him removed to the court or removed oh, from the court. Well, like I feel like he was just annoyed with him at this point and was like, "Get out, yeah, <laughs> like, please go away. Somebody get fucking a hold of this guy." <laughs> so defense, of course, um, they go the insanity route. Yeah, they, well, yeah, they claim that while working at the shoe store or the shoe repair store is what made him insane. Yeah. Um. It made him insane. So, the he had been working with a or inhaling a leather treatment fumes that contained some chemical. It's spelled T O L U E N E. Um, it's a chemical that numbs the senses and can damage the brain. Okay, I looked it up because I'm not just going to take what this report is. And it says that um, it repeated abuse which is like huffing not necessarily working with it but i'm guessing if you're working with it and not using proper yeah you know that it can happen but it produ produces a devastating neurological disorder of which dementia is the most disabling component and you know dementia makes you act like a child yeah yes yeah. yes that's what i'm saying he's a child so um both the prosecution and the defense call mental health experts some claim that he's completely fine. Like, this man is sane. He, no, he's not. There's nothing wrong with mm -hmm. him. He's fine. Mm -mm. He's acting this way. It's a no from me. The other ones say he's a paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah, he's all of the above. D, all of the above. He, yeah. Um, which is not an excuse to go around oh, no, no. murdering people. No, 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 no. October 13th, 1976, two hours the jury deliberates. I feel like that's not a lot of time. Mm -mm. Like, you got to fill out the paperwork and stuff. That's not a lot of time. <laughs> um, he's found guilty of murder and all the other charges, and he's sentenced to life in prison. Okay. What about Michael? 
We'll get to him. Okay. So back in prison, Joseph works in the prison shoe shop. I mean, if you think that working with all this stuff, it makes you crazy. That's exactly where you want to go work now. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My defense is that this made me crazy. So please put me back in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he is eventually, like he does a good job. Like he's a model prisoner for a while and he is promoted to workshop supervisor. He writes poetry. Like, He's really... Do they put him on, like, work release? (laughs) He gets to go out? No. (laughs) Like, like, I got work release, but Charlie didn't, so I can't go. Um, so, either way... You you need to say something? Um, one of our comments on here said, the key is he knew he was wrong because he called his attorney and threatened Michael. He's crazy for sure. Jenna, Janine said, ha. Serves him right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Also, we have 12,000 likes. Hey. Listen, we're a whole brand new bitch. Buster. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not busting anything. <laughs> I don't know. No. So, after spending a while in prison, um, he stops being the model prisoner and his behavior starts to change again. Charlie's back. His behavior becomes strange. He stabs one inmate. Like, I think that he cut his throat, but the guy uh, lived. Like, he didn't die. And then he tried to strangle another one. And then after that didn't work, he goes on a hunger strike and speaks in strange tongues. <laughs> I'll show you. I ain't eating. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to starve myself. And I'd be like, I'm just kidding myself. I'm just kidding. I will eat more. <laughs> That'll show you. <laughs> so then, on March 15th, 1977, he sets fire to his prison cell. Sir, Does it work? Sir, we have determined you are not good at this. Why are we doing? Why? Why? Why are we even trying? Hey, who lets him near any sort of arson thing? How does he do it? Does he start rubbing sticks together? Or like, what is he doing to start a fire there? Also, sorry, go ahead. No, also what? It don't fucking work. It does not work. It, but he does fight with the guards as they attempt to save him. He's like, let me burn. And, um, you know. But so, so this is the report that I'm like, this seems wrong. Like, this does not seem legitimate. I know that it's 77, but it just, like, something doesn't seem right about it. The, according to what I read, said that he was trying to fry an egg on his head. And the way he tried to do that was cover himself in lighter fluid, cracking the egg on his head, and then he lit himself on fire. Like, is this real? Can you just get, like, lighter fluid in jail? Or a lighter? Like, what I could you- see maybe a lighter, but lighter fluid... Why wouldn't he have lighter fluid? Is he bald? To, no. To try to cook an egg? <laughs> no. No. But how do you get lighter fluid in jail? Like, that can't be right. Like, I feel like that, like, whoever wrote the article that I read was like, this is a good story. <laughs> yeah, let's make this shit <laughs> like, up. Like, this is a good story. I'm going to make this up. This sounds great. But I put it in because he does such a weird other stuff. I'm like, maybe, maybe. Listen, maybe. I just want to know if he was bald because that would make more sense. He's not. I'll show you a picture. Okay. Oh, wait. Here, let me do it up right now. I have it right here. Come on. My computer now is like, no, let me think about it. No. <laughs> oh, look. Now it can't be opened. It's fine. We'll look at it in a little bit. Okay, whatever. All right. Are you still recording? Yeah. Okay. Oh, look, there he is. Oh, where? Oh, ew. Uh, yeah. Ew. Yeah. Ew. He looks like he would cut off wieners. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Charlie does the crime. Joe, <laughs> Joe serves the time. 
<laughs> so following um, the failed, the next failed, failed fire attempt. Yeah. He takes the, like, I think he's moved to like a mental institution, like a mental place. Yeah. Well, rightfully so. Right. Should have been there the whole be. time. Like ever since, like. Day one. The first time. Uh-huh. Yeah. He takes the plastic cover off of his mattress and he tries to. At one, I saw that he tried to strangle himself, and one said he tried to suffocate himself. Either way, he was trying to unenliven himself. Mm-hmm. But once again, they save him. Okay. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why? So, um, I mean, I guess I know why, because you can't just let him off. Maybe like, why didn't you do anything? Because he really wanted to. <laughs> like, he's tried multiple times. Come yeah. on. Eventually, you just have to let him have his way. <laughs> so, he's interviewed. Because, you know, like this, it's interesting. So he's interviewed. And in the interview, he says that he had visions and that they controlled him. The visions made him drown his son and kill and mutilate Jose, the boy that we talked about the first time. No. Um, no, sir. The visions did not make you do it. God did not tell you to do it. That was your own, your own act. Mm-mm. So March 26, 1996, at the age of 59, Joseph suffers from a seizure and dies while in jail he spent the last naturally he dies naturally yeah he spent the last 11 years of his life on suicide watch suicide watch for 11 years come on and then you die naturally and then die naturally what Um, in heaven right so you wanted to know what happened to michael yeah okay so the courts decide that Michael has been acting under the control of his father. Like his father was in control of him. He, you know. Was yeah, just, but we cannot just let him go because that's the problem with homeboy Joseph in the first place. Right. Because his father did that to him. And so na- whatever. So Joseph, though, is sent to a reformatory. You mean Michael? Yes, Michael. Michael okay. sent to a reformatory. He is then released to foster parents. That is some loving parents. Or, like, foster parents to be like, yeah, he murdered a bunch of people, but we're fine now. Come on. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. The no, girl. The same person that tried to, or that interviewed Joseph, tried to interview Michael, but the foster parents were like, he will never talk to you about this. Like, no, there's no way you're interviewing Michael. Not happening. Michael's placed on probation until he turns 25. So, like, he has to live with his foster parents, and he's on probation until he's 25 years old. Um, I'm not letting that kid live in the house with me. No. Uh-uh. No. No, baby. Hmm. Um. After Janine says, <laughs> Charlie was finally like, "All right, I've had enough of him. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough. Have a seizure. I've had enough of you." <laughs> Charlie's like, "Why am I getting the blame? <laughs> what did I do, man? I'm over here just living my life as a floating head, and you're being ridiculous." <clears throat> um. So Michael, when he gets off probation, he moves and changes his name. No idea who he is now. Do we know how old he was when he got arrested? I think he was 13. Oh, shit. So he's on probation until he's 25, like yeah. 12 years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So we that, don't know about it. No. What so the that's, hell? That's my story. Thank you, Murderpedia. <laughs> hell of a story. Hell of a story. <laughs> we went from penises to floating heads. <laughs> it was all over the place. All over the place. So you see why I had to go back to this one. Yes. I loved it. That was that was delicious. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Good story. Good story. Loved your story. Thank you. 
Don't forget to subscribe. Wherever you get your podcast. The purple icon is my favorite, though. Yeah, because it's you called, can leave reviews and we can see it. Yes. So that's like your iTunes on yes. podcast. It's Apple podcast. If you could leave reviews on there, that would be great. I want to Say call out anything. our reviews. Say anything. Like, leave us a few five stars. We like five stars. If you want to leave us four, like, it's okay. That's fine, I guess. But that'd be fine. I'm just um, but say something about the butterfly so we know that you came from this. Tickety tockety. Yeah. Yes. To my friends, um, I made them leave reviews while they were sitting at my house. So, Shannon and Micah Posey, thank you so much. Thank Love you, thank you forever. You. Don't forget, you can go to our Facebook at Just Another Murder Cast and see. Actually, Facebook is Just Another MCast. Oh, MCast, because we can't put the murder word. Um, murder on there. Mm-hmm. We also share the episodes on there. Yes. We have a website. If you would, you can leave suggestions for a murder. Um, www.justanothermurdercast.com. Leave your suggestion and we'll give you a shout out if we do your murder. Yep. And if you have a crazy story, it doesn't have to be a murder. It can be like, hey, I almost got abducted. Hey, I saw somebody get abducted. Anything like right. that. Hey, I have a floating head, but his name's not Charlie. Yes. Any let us know. We'd like to read that. If you want to remain anonymous, just let us know and we can do that for you. Yeah, also, you can go to Patreon.com. There are oh, different yeah. levels. You get bonus episodes. You get all the merch. And you get a shout out. So we have Candy, Emily, and Amanda. We appreciate y'all so much. And we love you. So we are actually going to start recording for the next bonus episode for the Patreon. But okay, bye. Okay, love you, bye.